He is worthy of all honor, praise, and glory. In fact, you might notice that at the bottom page of our notes, the very last line, I think, that says he is worthy, but it is the reason we have gathered here. Thank you to our praise band. Would you find in your Bible's New Testament book, Acts chapter 6, focal verse will be verse 7. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. But uh, we're glad you're here. Thank you for coming today on a uh, cold, rainy day in February. You have made it here. No better place to be than to be in worship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're glad that you're here. It is a special day. Lots of things going on. Young Worshippers Club began today. Chances are you got a big bulletin from a little hand as you came in. Worship folder, several things inside, lots of things that are happening today. Appreciate our worshipers who uh, read scripture and prayed. Read from Acts chapter 6. So uh, we'll be ready. Get us a head start on what we're talking. 24-24, February the 4th, 24 feel like it ought to be a special day of some kind or might have some recognition. I remember uh, 4404, April the 4th and 04 was on a Sunday. And uh, we had all kinds of uh, uh, goals set, 444, Sunday school, worship, that kind of thing. And then 10 October 10th, 2010. I know some of that's way further back than some of you remember, but uh, 10, 10, 10, that was not all that far back. It was on a Sunday. And I, then we had, uh, I think it was invite 10 people to church, bring your tithe 10%, and there's another 10, I can't remember it right now, but somehow we used that. So I feel like two, 24, 24 ought to be something. So as we were singing, give praise to God night and day. How about that? 24 hours a day, we continue to give praise to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, uh, but it's a special day, new beginning, 100 days of Bible reading is beginning. We do that twice a year, have done that last two or three years in kind of our five and 10 year plan. You can join with us in the uh, 100 days of Bible reading. You may have your own Bible plan and that's fine. If you don't, join in with us. If you do want to add this to, take a pause, whatever. But as long as you're reading the Bible, I will say with our uh, Bible reading plan, 100 days, I've noticed that we've begun to talk in hallways and Bible study classes and those kind of things, phone calls. Hey, this is what I read today. When you read it, what do you think about this? And so that is a possibility. It might be a good reason to be a part of our 100 days as well. And so 2424, the number in between, I'm stretching here, but it's okay, is the number three. So next Sunday, Super Sunday, we know what happens next Sunday. We recognize that. No different for us as far as what we're doing. But hey, what a great day to come and anticipate a great day in the Lord already. This is a great day, Super Day today and every Sunday that we come together. But we want to encourage you to invite three people uh, next week. You might do more than that every week. But uh, invite three people come. going to have a Super Day and just anticipate the gospel will be shared. Next week, we hope to do that every time we come together. But you can come knowing that it's a safe place to come and a place to where, if somebody needs to hear the good news, it will be shared uh, here as well. We'll hear it here today, also. But speaking of the three, today is our beginning, our emphasis on who's your three. Now, my one was baptized. I'm going to talk to my one today. I'm going to talk to one of my three. One of my three did this. Uh, these are my three that I'm praying for. This is terminology that if you've been part of Parkway Baptist Church, you know and you understand. If you're new to Parkway, you may not quite know exactly what we're talking about. But uh, So this is our third or fourth time, I guess, that we're emphasizing uh, who's your three. So we're going to encourage you now because at the, toward the end of this service, we'll encourage you to write down three people. 
who are lost or unchurched, at least one to three, but up to three, you, you could certainly write more than that, of course. We just kind of thought three might be a good number for us to begin to think about. Pray for these people, seek to share with them, invite them to, so that they can hear a gospel message as well. It's our emphasis this month, but really it's kind of part of who we are and what we do all the time is that uh, we always want to have people on, in our minds who are lost or unchurched, you can see some of those have already signified this morning in the first service. And the Lord was at work and going to continue to be at work in the first service today. We want to continue always uh, to have that emphasis of uh, reaching more people for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our, our verse for today, what's a long introduction here, but uh, we've been talking the last few weeks, uh, particularly, and we were in Ezra for, about, for all of January, and, uh, and so sometimes we were looking at two to four chapters at a time. So it was kind of a lot to take in, perhaps. So we're going to use one verse as our focal point, though we'll read, look at a couple others in this chapter. But, uh, and, but it'll be our focal In fact, it's going to be part of a verse. So we'll give you a break maybe from lots of verses to comprehend. We want you to be able to comprehend this one verse from Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, where it says, And the word of God continued to increase the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied, multiplied greatly right there in uh, first century church as we are told about the things that happened after Jesus ascended. There was an old man that was walking down the street. He was walking along with his mule and his dog. And as he's walking, there's an old pickup truck that came around the corner way too fast, knocked the man and the dog and the mule into the ditch. Later, that same old man had take, took the driver of that pickup truck to court in order to sue to make up for lost damages and ill and, uh, 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 that took place. So the defense for the old man said to him, he said, listen, he said, I want to know, did you or did you not tell the driver of the truck that you were perfectly fine? And the man told his story. He said, well, here I was walking down the street with my dog and my mule. And as I did, there was a truck that came out of nowhere driving way too fast, knocked us into the ditch. The man got out of the truck and he came and he saw that my dog was badly injured. So he went back to the truck, got his shotgun and he shot my dog. And then he saw my mule had broken his leg. So he then he shot the mule. And then he looked at me and he asked me, oh man, are you okay? And I told him, I'm perfectly fine. Well, and I got a lot better reaction out of the first service for that one, but uh, uh, but I've got to, I tell that because the context matters. We want to know as we look at this passage what led up to the word of God increasing and the number of disciples multiplying. Can we talk a little bit about church math for just a little bit? We know that in church there are additions. There are additions. Most of us like to we like additions, and we know that God likes additions. We know that there. Sometimes in the church is division. We don't like division. Certainly God hates division in the church. And then there, we're reading about it today, there's multiplication. And God wants multiplication. God loves multiplication. Parkway, may I say about our church, I believe we've gone past the division part. I mean, we know and we need to always be on guard. There can be division in the church. But church, as long as we stay focused on bringing praise and exalting our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and reaching other people that whatever would cause division will fall by the wayside. Now, we don't want to think that we're beyond that because we don't want to be prideful in that. We want to be able to always be on guard but be sure that we're focusing on what it is that we need to focus 
on as well. But on this 2-4-24 might be the day that we move beyond addition to multiplication. Primarily that is in the hands of the Lord who uses his willing servants. Speaking of multiplication, we know that Jesus began with his 12 disciples. Those 12 disciples turned the world upside down. But if 12 people today decided that this year they were going to win 12 more people to Christ, each one is going to reach one for Christ this year, the next year there would be 24. And if those 24 decided that they were going to win each one person to Christ, there'd be, you can help me with this, there'd be 48, you know. Well, if that continued, and some of you that are mathematicians probably could figure this out, don't do it during the service today. But in less than 30 years, the 8 billion people would be one to the Lord Jesus Christ if each one decided they were going to reach one uh, each year. And even if in the next 30 years that the population doubled, then it would only take, and this is very simple math, only take one more year if everyone decided each one would reach one. It, if needed, this morning, I want, the Lord to, uh, I want the Lord to be able to change our attitudes, our, our hearts, senior adults, young adults, students, even for our teenagers and children, that they will continue to want to come and to sit in church and be in places to where they're sitting either in the front or with their parents and their uh, peers and be at a place, and regardless of your age, that you want to be a part of something that you do not want to miss. Maybe you're here today, and this is not your usual thing with two services. We have people of all kinds, all ages, all backgrounds, even some people who come in with different beliefs as well. And as we come in today, it is as a, as a pastor, I want you to know that I think church is important. Church attendance, I believe, is important. But even more important than that is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be that there's somebody here today that you find yourself in church. Maybe you're listening today online, but... You, know, you don't know that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And may it be today that as we talk about these very things, about how we might be able to go from addition to multiplication using God's Word, this may be the very day that you decide that you want to be a part of what God's doing, that you want Jesus Christ in your heart. You want to be able to know that you have a home in heaven. It is our prayer that you will follow the Lord. Now, we just got 20, 25 minutes here we're going to talk, and maybe it's a lot to promise about a change in every heart and every attitude, but may there be a seed planted that will bring growth and change in our attitude when it comes to how we view God's church and our relationship and our walk with Him. So how does it happen? How does it happen that the Lord's able to change our hearts and attitudes where they need to be changing? How does it happen that a church goes from addition to multiplication. Well, I want to ask five questions in evaluating our attitude, and then depending on how you answer the question, we'll determine what it may be your proper action. Here's the first question. You've got your notes. Hopefully you're following along. Are you ready for an increased ministry? Are you ready for an increased ministry? The scripture that we read said that they increased greatly. Now, be careful how you answer that question, because with more ministry comes more problems. We're in Acts chapter 6. If you read verse 1 of Acts chapter 6, it begins by saying, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint. Well, let's stop right there because this is the first time we have instance in a New Testament church that there was a complaint. Well, believe me, brothers and sisters, this was not the last complaint. And it will not be the last even after today. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, in these days may refer to anywhere between a few months after the ascension of Jesus to a year or two down the road. 
It was believed by this time there were at least 5,000, we're told. And maybe even in these, uh, at this time, there were maybe 20,000 new believers. Of course they had problems. May we be tempted to say, knowing that their problem was how all the widows were going to be fed, we might say after going through some problems that we've gone through, they should feel fortunate that's the only problem. But it was serious, and it may have been one of a number of things that the first century church was going through to show how such how to handle such things with godly wisdom church was made up of mostly jews we would probably not have thought of them as multicultural but there were there were hebrew speaking jews and there were some that were gentile speaking jews who were not from judea but they had come there to live and the problem seems fairly simple the greek speaking jews complained that their widows were not fairly treated in the distribution of the food First four chapters of Acts points out how the church took care of their needs. It seemed to be on a daily basis that they were eating together, taking care of those who had needs. And the widows would be top on the list as far as to be taken care of. How will the disciples of the church handle this crisis in the church body? How will the complaint be rectified as part of the lesson for us? Because we can be sure that where there are people... Where there are church folk, the more there are, the more problems that could occur. Would you agree? Or have you not heard that where there are two Baptists, there are at least three opinions? Now, there's a verse in Proverbs that I often quote. The staff will know particularly this verse because they've heard me quote it many times. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 4, it says, Where there are no oxen, the trough is clean, but much increase comes from the strength of an ox. And when I quote that verse... Usually I get blank stares. Yeah, just like you've got. Yeah, that's the same kind. I tell you, uh, and I usually quote it when there's been a mess or something's going on or we've got to clean this up or we've got to do that or take care of this problem. And the verse says, well, hey, well, if you didn't have an ox, you keep your barn clean all the time. But if you have an ox, much increase comes from the strength of an ox, but you do have to come behind. You've got to clean up after it. The disciples could have quoted this verse when they said there was a mess. We're reaching more people. But these problems, particularly those that would bring division in the church, needed to be dealt with. Can I give you a first proper action? It's this. We will anticipate growing pains and seek godly biblical wisdom to solve problems in the church. You know, the text did not say, interestingly enough, that the, some of the widows were being mistreated. It only said that they complained that they were being mistreated. So it could have been that they really weren't being mistreated. It could have been they wanted more than their fair share. But that's when the first church called its first seven deacons that we call them. They, those verses were read here just a moment ago. Acts chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. Can we read them again? Acts chapter 6 and verse 2 says, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching for the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Interestingly enough, knowing the problem, because if this were our problem today, we would say we need to get some men who can count. I mean, can help us to be able to count how many, how much is needed, or get some men who can at least cook, somebody that can grill something because we've got to feed more people. But that's not what they asked, was it? They said, let's be sure to find men of good reputation, men who are full of the Holy Spirit. So they can discern legitimate complaints and needs, how to handle the ones that were for real. By the way, growing in church, growing the church by growing in ministry, we need to anticipate these 
growing pains, handles what comes along with biblical godly wisdom. But the second question I need to ask you today is this, are, are you ready for a shared ministry? Are you ready for a shared ministry? The solution to the widow's crisis was to involve others. Find someone who can handle this problem. And he gathers the church together. The disciples do, instructs them to choose seven to take over this responsibility. If we're going to move forward as a church, I'm telling you this today. If we're going to move forward as a church, we will need to be ready for more shared responsibility. We often talk in churches about when we begin to grow, anticipate growth. We begin to say, well, we need to add more space. I love it when you have to sit on the front row, by the way. And uh, glad that you're here always. And that's happening more and more often. We're making plans, you know, parking. I don't know if any of you had any problem today. You certainly didn't want to park far away, particularly if you didn't have an umbrella. But uh, so we got plans for parking. So we think about more space. We're going to do more space. But can I tell you, that's going to matter a little if we're not increasing our organization and increasing more shared responsibility. Just get used to it. Every member needs to be involved in ministry. You're going to be asked. If you're part of Parkway Baptist Church, you're a member here. I know we have guests. We always have guests here. But you can peek in to maybe what's happening with us. You're going to be, are, you, are you taking any responsibilities? Are you taking on any ministry? Be, be ready for every member involved in Ministry, every member involved in bringing people to Jesus through prayer, inviting and sharing, be involved in caring and loving for others. Uh, in our future is uh, the, going through the book of Nehemiah. It's part of our trek through the scriptures. And so we just did Ezra and Nehemiah is going to come. We're taking a break this month to do talk about who's your three. But in one of my favorite verses in Nehemiah, it's Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6 to where it says, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. And there are three groups of people in every church. There are those people who are just kind of happy with the way things are, very comfortable, don't really want any change, not really too concerned about bringing other people into the church or reaching more people. I, I will tell you, in case I forget to say this, that's where true problems really come we start to focus on ourselves. Then there's, a, a one, then there's the other extreme. There are those who are excited about the church, excited about what God's doing. They uh, take on lots, probably more than they should because they feel responsible and they want to be a part and uh, they want to see people one to the Lord, as many people as possible. Then there's that third group. And most churches, this is the largest group of people. They don't mind seeing people come to know Jesus. They love to see baptisms. Don't even mind new things that are happening or new ministries as long as you don't make me do anything else. As long as, I, as, long as not, I'm not involved, I'm okay. So, okay, what kind of church member are we? Personally, what kind of church member are you? The attitude of the church will change when two of those groups get Smaller and those who are willing have a mind to work becomes larger. But it also means that those who are doing the work must be willing and wanting to involve others in ministry. In coming days, we are going to be ready to increase our workforce, share ministry. And uh, so here's the, here's the personal action that you need to take. We'll, uh, or we'll take. We'll each do our part in ministry in the building up of God's church. We'll each do our part in ministry in the building up of God. You ever been to a fall festival here? Best thing about our fall, I and mean, a lot of churches do fall festivals. We do a big fall festival. One of the best things about our fall festival, 
not just the thousand or more people who are not part of Parkway who come onto our campus and hear the good news of the gospel, but it's also seeing the many, many people it takes to pull something like that off. I mean, you may not know what everybody else is doing. Everybody gets their assignment or their hour and a half or whatever it is, and you may be serving food, be out in the parking lot security. You may be taking care of this booth, that booth, handing out candy, you know, but it takes a lot for that to happen. By the way, it takes a lot to happen for what goes on here on uh, Sunday morning. We think about all those who are teachers in Sunday school, all those who are the greeters, all those uh, who are in the nursery, all those who are in the prayer room, all those who are in the sound booth, all those who are doing all the things, choirs being ready, praise band, all of this. It takes a lot. It is what is supposed to happen that everybody, and, and it is just to take a little bit of a moment that uh, as you come here, because we have two worship services, you can worship, you can learn in Bible study, and you can be a part of serving all on the same day. And you've heard me say this probably before, but I encourage you that to serve, find your place to serve. Maybe not be every week that you're in the nursery but, or a greeting or whatever it is, but when you find your place to serve, particularly if it's during worship service, serve the opposite hour of the service that you usually come. In other words, you don't always have to trade off worship plus serving. You can go to worship, come serve. And hey, and I tell the folks in the early service, if you, if, if you serve in the first service, come and rock and roll with Jesus and us in the second service, or at least that's what they say. So, so it's okay that you do that. But it's a, so here's our, here's our next question. Are you ready for an empowered ministry? Are you ready for an empowered ministry? We hope that... We hope and believe that all ministry in the name of Jesus has power. They want to be powerful, but to empower means we need to give permission to authorize and encourage with joy. We need to be a church that encourages workers to join in and even start new ministries inside and outside the church. The disciples said in verse 2 of Acts chapter 6 that it would not be right to neglect the ministry to wait on tables. He was saying that pastors should never have to do any manual labor or serve other people. No, he wasn't. He wasn't saying that certainly at all. He said that it would not be pleasing to God for apostles to neglect prayer and witnessing if serving tables was all that they did. Pastors and staff and deacons and all servant leaders should be the examples of serving others. This was a unique time. After all, these were the apostles. Spent three years with Jesus. They sent the death, burial, the resurrection. Saw Jesus was alive. Forty days saw Jesus ascend to heaven. I believe that what they were doing that first century was pretty important. The distribution of the daily food was also important, but there were others who could and should be taking care of that. And for a while, the apostles had probably taken on too much for the church to continue other servant leaders needed to be empowered to do ministry. In Acts chapter 6, many of you know this, uh, chose the seven men. We call, sometimes refer as deacons. Name means servant or minister, so the word title deacon is not used. But while this is a passage that can help deacons to be able to understand their role, it is actually a passage for all of us and not limited just to the deacon. It's a lesson for the whole church. So here's the proper action. The church will be more than a place to come to attend or to sit in a chair. The church will be a commissioning place. The church will be a commissioning place. Seven men were chosen. Most of them we know absolutely nothing about except that their names are here, maybe reminding us of those unsung heroes, such as who are mentioned here just by name, or unsung heroes in the church today who are simply serving wherever the Lord 
has them sometimes in roles and places that nobody else will ever notice. But they're simply on God's dream team of being used by God. Remember the passage in the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper of the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now, three of the seven we know something about. There was Stephen. His story is spectacular. We've talked about Stephen before. We're going to talk about Stephen again, I am sure. There was Philip, directed by the Holy Spirit to share with others. He is the one who went to the Ethiopian who was on his way back from Ethiopia after worshiping in Jerusalem. He was also the one that went to Samaritans and others who were non-Jews. Stephen was the first martyr. Philip, the first missionary. Then there was Nicholas, convert to Judaism. He was a seeker of truth. He had found the one who was the one true God, the God of the Old Testament, and then he had found the truth in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What you might not know is that these were all Greek names. Well, who better to serve the Greek-speaking widows than the ones who are Greek or have Greek names, obviously have a Greek background because of that. But what do we find these, those that we know about, what do we find them do? They were waiting on tables. But not only did they do that, we find them sharing about Jesus wherever uh, they go. They were given this responsibility, and they took on even other responsibility, and the church grew. This, in this passage, is a major change in attitude in the first century church. When we see the church as more than a place to gather for us, it will be a major change in our attitude. We need to come together. But the church is a place in which we find empowerment to use our gifts, talents, and passions for the work that God has called us to do both inside and outside the church. Got to know if you're keeping up. There weren't numbers on them, but the fourth question is this. Are you ready for a compassionate ministry? Are you ready for a compassionate ministry? The disciples did not turn that ministry over to the seven because they did not care. In fact, they cared for the widows and they knew that they were not going to be able to give the time or effort. It was because, though, that they cared for them. We always want to be thinking about what is the best way that we can show compassion to people in inside and outside the church. Well, what happened when they turned some of the ministry over? It's our focal verse in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. They increased greatly, multiplied believers as well. Okay, can we do a little bit of, little bit of big picture, I guess? If you've got your Bibles, or they'll be on the screen. In fact, we find in Acts chapter 1 and verse 15. Acts chapter 1 and verse 15, we find in those days, this is before, uh, this is after the ascension, but before Pentecost. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons were in all about 120. So we find 120 believers. And then in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, it says this. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So after Pentecost, from 120 to 3,000. And then chapter 4 and verse 4, it says... Chapter 4, Acts 4, verse 4 says, Many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So from 120 to 3,000, now 5,000 men, not to mention the women and children who are coming to know the Lord as well. And then we find this in Acts chapter 5 and verse 14, just across the page from Acts chapter 6. and Acts chapter 5, verse 14, it says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So they, they went from addition, and then the verse that we read a moment ago in verse Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, word of God continued to increase, number of disciples. Now, did you notice from Acts 5, 14 to Acts 6, 7, from addition, 
to multiplication that is taking there. Great thing was taking place. Even the Jewish priests were becoming Christians more than ever before. It's because they saw a people who truly cared and loved and served one another. This is a significant life in the event of the church because they're going to have to decide what kind of church they were going to be. And we've got to decide what kind of church as we move forward. Are we going to be loving and compassionate, take care of people? I believe Parkway Baptist Church, I believe us to be a loving, caring church. I really do believe that. Do we have room for growth? Do we have uh, more ways in which we might be able to show love, be more compassionate? We certainly do. But I want to thank you for allowing me to be a part of the Parkway Baptist Church. Let me tell you once again how much I love you. And uh, I am thank you for the, what I feel is a love that is reciprocated. And we are grateful to be able to serve alongside you uh, uh, as well. People want to take part in a place that is caring. And there's joy and enthusiasm about serving God and others in ministry. Compassion and a love for our church, for the people of Auburn, and a desire for people all around the world to come to know Jesus Christ will allow God, if He chooses, to multiply ministry greatly. So here's our proper action. We will develop a love for God's church and our brothers and sisters in Christ. We'll develop a love for God's church and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Does it seem like we've left people out? We're talking about loving one another. But that's not focusing on self because when people see how much we love one another because of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, all they want to become and take a part. And that automatically spills over. And if we can learn to love one another, we will learn to love other people as well. The church is the body of Christ. Love for God's church is to be a part of the mission. Now Parkway... You may have fooled me, but I really think for our members, for the vast majority of members, you love this church. You love God's church. You love to be here, love to be a part of what's going on in the church. And, and we recognize that. And, and so while we say thank you and I say thank you and, uh, and we, we love this church for us to be able to move forward. For us to be able to continue to go in the direction that God would have us to go, this is a time in which we know that we will need to continue to grow in that love for God to give us more than ever before. Uh, last question. Are you ready for a dangerous ministry? Are you ready for a dangerous ministry? There are churches all over the world that are either meeting in secret today or maybe they're meeting out in the open, but knowing that they may have to endure persecution or even going to jail or losing their very lives. Maybe our churches are too sanitized. We're too safe with easy believism. I had somebody give testimony in another church. This is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but stood and gave testimony actually out loud to the church and said, oh, I just love our church because here nobody ever asked me to do anything. I thought, oh, we have missed the mark. That is not a New Testament church. What is it that Jesus said to the first disciples and all disciples, follow me. And they dropped everything, willing to follow regardless of the cost. Uh, our ministry may not be dangerous enough. Most of us are not in fear of losing our lives or fear of going to jail, maybe some persecution. But consider that we have many resources in a church full of people with gifts and talents and abilities. We, we sometimes talk about Stepping into the water, showing a little bit of trust. When I think well, probably what we need, jump in with both feet. Say, Lord, we're, we're ready to follow you. As a church, we need to recognize that unless we do something 
that can only be accomplished if God did it. Unless his, unless his hand was in it, it would surely fail. Unless we're ready to do that, then probably we shouldn't be, shouldn't be seeking to do. Let's follow what God would have us to do, regardless of what, what he asked. Church, even if it means losing resources, reputation, or respectability. I believe when we lose people, it's not always because we ask too much, but sometimes we make it seem too easy to follow Christ. I believe there's an element of people who will be attracted to a church that has an element of challenge. I was sitting in a coffee shop near a university in a small town in Russia. We were there with a group, of course, and I thought it looked just like other people there, but they would always come and ask, to, they say, are you the Americans? I say, yeah, we're the Americans. So we had the opportunity to be able to share a little bit of the gospel. I remember talking with one fellow, and I gave him a gospel tract and encouraged him to read it after sharing a little bit of the gospel. And he looked at it, and he said, is this dangerous? I've never been asked that question before. And so I probably said, no, it's not dangerous, but it might change your life. But you know what? It could be. Dangerous to us physically, but not spiritually. It is important enough that even if it's dangerous, that we want to follow God wherever He leads us to go. On September 12, 1962, President Kennedy gave one of his most famous speeches. You know that speech that rallied Americans send a man rocket to the moon. We choose to go to the moon and other things in this decade, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I think is the way he said it, perhaps. What's our proper action? We will serve and honor God, not because it's easy, because it is not. However, as we sang about earlier, our God is worthy. What we do as believers in the Lord Jesus, what we are doing as the church of the living God, it, it's important, it has eternal, eternity hanging in the balance for many, but it's a little dangerous. It might cost you. Now, we're not sure exactly what the future holds. We believe the Lord's given us some vision for the future. We believe and pray that He gives us even more. But we invite you to come along with us on this journey to grow in ministry and to reach more people to show our love for God and for Auburn and the nations. We want to encourage you today to come along and take part in that you have received today, perhaps in your worship folder or there's one... Uh, in the rack in front of you. It's a Hoosier three card. We want to encourage you today, even now. I'm gonna, we're going to pray before we do this, but we encourage you, if you think about three people, you may already know, but we encourage you to commit to praying for and are in sharing and are inviting at least three people who are lost or unchurched today. And you'll have opportunity to come and bring that before. But before we do, let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the praise that we've been able to bring today. We thank you for how we read from your word and understand the change in hearts and attitudes that we may need to make as a church and as individuals as we continue to pursue you and the things that you would have us to do. We pray now, Father, with this emphasis on uh, people who are lost or unchurched, we pray that you may lay upon our heart one to three people at least that we may... Not just today, not just this month, but this year, Father, be inviting and uh, praying for and sharing as we have opportunity and as we make opportunity 
We pray, Father, right now as a part of our worship that we may commit that to you even now, Father, as we bring these to the front. And, uh, Father, lay them upon your altar as people that we want to know the same God that we know through our Lord and Savior. We also pray, Father, if there's one here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, somebody listening today, as we pray for this very service and this time and this hour, that they'd be ready to give their heart and life over to you today, asking you to forgive them of their sins, asking Jesus to be their Savior and Lord. We lift up these prayers in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You have your card there. Pen should be all around. This would be a good time for you to take and write down one to three names. You certainly could do more. I encourage you to write them on both sides. If you don't want to write a name because you're leaving it up here, you could always put initials. That would be okay. And you know who that is, and the Lord knows who that is. Then take that card if you would. Go ahead and tear that off. Put that in your Bible or someplace that you will run into it often. But you want to have a regular, if not a daily time of praying for those. As we have our uh, hymn of commitment, we want to encourage you, just as was done in the first service. If you take one of those cards, come place them on the altar. You may just want to pause for just a moment and uh, pray for those as well. Your invitation is open. It's for those who, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, or maybe you just want to come and talk to us about what it means to know Christ. I'm going to be down here, or staff are down here. They'll be glad to talk with you as well. If you want to come for baptism, you want to join the church, you just come say, I want to join the church, and we'll let you know the next steps uh, from there. But as we sing together, you come, follow the Lord's direction.